The sermon this morning was entitled, Those Who Hear Christ's Words But Do Not Believe. Um, this afternoon, it's part two of the same. From John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, you know, while I was preaching and I was thinking this driving on the way here, uh, I'm going to scare unbelievers away from our church. They're, they're not going to come and want to hear preaching anymore after this sermon. And you could see, if everybody that's here was there, you could see how somebody might, in their twisted thinking, conclude that. Oh, I better just stop. I don't want the judgment to be worse for me, so I need to know less. It's too late for those kind of people. You've already rejected him and his words. What you need to do is keep yourself under the means of grace and fly to to Christ with all your sins and guilt that you might be cleansed, washed, and justified, adopted, get in the process of sanctification, go get, come uh, for baptism, for church membership, take the Lord's Supper. That's, that's what you need to do. And walk with the rest of us. Sometimes uh, you come to a smaller church like ours, and we have probably more people over 40 or 45 than under. Uh, and you think, well, these people all have it, their lives together, especially the ones that wear a tie. Emma's making faces at me because I'm the only one with a tie right now. And it can be intimidating, singing hymns a cappella and looking at people, and they actually like it. You know, to, For visitors, it can be intimidating. And this sense of, I, I could never belong there because the bar there is just so high. You know, um, We don't want you to feel that way, but I could see how people might feel that way. I don't want anyone to feel that way. I want everyone that heard this morning's sermon, that here's this one, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So just as a brief review and then one more contemplation, we have this text in John 12, 47 and 48, where we read these words. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. From the previous verse, we saw that Jesus came as light into the world, that whoever believes in him should not abide in darkness, implying everyone already abides in darkness apart from him, but he delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. Verses, verse 46 in one sense is very encouraging. Verses 47 and 48, the ones I preached, can be discouraging uh, or should be at least alarming to unbelievers. But for believers to contemplate, to think through Uh, what Jesus is saying in verses 47 and 48 should make us grateful and thankful because the Lord has broken into our lives and has rescued us from abiding in darkness. By his grace, we as believers have heard the words of Christ, believed the words of Christ. Uh, 
we have not rejected him, we have received him, to as many as have received him, to them he gives, gives the right to become sons or children of God. We've received his words, we've received him and all of his benefits, all by his grace, so that on that last day we won't have this condemning judgment against us, namely that we heard his words, we heard his claims, we denied him, we denied his words, we did not believe. That will be a bad uh, situation to face. We looked at both verses, um, verses 47 and 48. Verse 47 has a condition. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, it has a result. I do not judge him, it has a reason, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So we have here at least implied is a first coming of our Lord in order to procure, in order to purchase salvation. And then we have a second coming of our Lord that would, with reference to unbelievers, especially in our text, the ones who have heard about Christ and reject him, that's going to be the standard of their judgment at his second coming. Then we looked at verse 48, which I said had a condition and a result. The condition is, he who rejects me and does not receive my words, here's the result, has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. In the last day. Day. We saw last day language, not last latter days, but last day singular language in John chapter 5. You can see it in Paul's writings as well. Here we have it from our Lord's lips in the last day. So I have one more contemplation, this one for believers before the Lord's Supper. Note once again the contrast between verses 46 and 47 and 48. We already noted that contrast. I want to note it again and think about it a little deeper. And I want to use our confession, chapter 32, to help us note the contrast. The contrast is in verse 46, Jesus says he comes as light into the world that whoever believes in him should no longer abide in darkness. Everyone who believes in him no longer abides in darkness. On the contrary, everyone who hears his word and does not believe it, will be judged in the last day. So, our confession reads this, chapter 32 of the Last Judgment. It's in the back of the hymnal if you want to look there. God hath appointed a day, there is that last day, wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only, apost not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive accordingly, according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. One of the passages cited is, John chapter 5, where the last day resurrection 
Paragraph two, the end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of his mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect and of his justice in the eternal damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and glory with everlasting rewards in the presence of the Lord. But the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of of Jesus Christ shall be cast aside into everlasting torments and punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10 is cited. I read it this morning. As Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment, both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the godly in their adversity, so will he have the day unknown to men that they may shake off all carnal security and be always watchful because they know not at what hour the Lord will come and may ever be prepared to say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. So right before that is actually chapter 31, right? Because before 32 is 31. And that chapter is entitled, Of the State of Man After Death and of the Resurrection of the Dead. Last Day Resurrection, I say sometimes. The Last Day Resurrection. This is what this chapter says. The bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption, but their souls, which neither die nor sleep, have an immortal subsistence, immediately return to God who gave them. The souls of the righteous, being then made perfect in holiness, are received into paradise, where they are with Christ, and behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies, Romans 8, and the souls of the wicked, cast into hell where they remain in torment and utter darkness reserved to the judgment of the great day besides these two places for souls separated from their bodies the scripture acknowledgeth none at the last day such of the saints as are found alive shall not sleep but be changed and all the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies and none other although with different qualities which shall be united again to their souls forever. The bodies of the unjust shall, by the power of Christ, be raised to dishonor, the bodies of the just, by his Spirit, unto honor, and be made conformable to his own glorious body. So on the last day shall be the general resurrection, that is, the saints, and the lost, and the last day judgment. After that, actually, until that happens, there's always hope for any unbeliever we might know and love. When that day occurs, there's no more hope, that is, confident expectation that that person's going to be in a, a, a better state than they were now. Interesting how our confession says that self-same bodies will be united with our souls, but with different qualities 
Okay, so the saved will have a body likened unto the Lord's resurrection body, a glorified body. What kind of body were the lost have? Not a glorified body, but a body with different qualities than they currently possess. If the qualities that we currently possess as believers will be uh, changed into glorified qualities... And theirs won't be, I don't know, mangled bodies, ugly, gross-looking, I'm not sure. Some form of judgment on their bodies will occur at the resurrection. But not for those who believe in Christ. We heard his word at some point. We heard his claims. We were foul, and we flew to the fountain because we realized, foul eye to the fountain, fly, wash me, Savior, or I'm toast, I'm, or I die. Toast, die, you know what I mean. And, and, you know, looking back, it's all by his grace. Some of us, all of us came to the same Savior, but we all came on different roads and different paths and different backgrounds and different influences. Some of us might not even know the day you believed, but you know that you have believed. We should praise him and thank him for that because thousands heard him on the earth and didn't believe, and billions have heard his words ever since and have not believed. And ultimately, the distinction, the difference between us and them is neither us nor them. It's God. God did this thing to us, in us, for us. For us outside of us and then brought the benefits of what he did outside of us in Christ to us in space and time. He tuned our intellects to be able to hear the true sound of the true gospel about the true Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us eyes to see these truths, ears to hear and uh, minds to understand them. He effectually called us. He summonsed our soul to come to Christ in such a way that along with the summons goes, an execu- goes the execution of divine power tinkering with our souls, enabling us to come most willingly, being made willing by it, most freely, being made willing by his grace. So all of us who have come, who have believed, have to look back and say, okay, yes, I did believe, but behind my believing was a merciful God. In my sins, he he brought this message to me. While I was filthy, he brought the message to me and slowly but surely chipped away at my hard, stony heart. So contemplating this text as a believer should, should help us look back. When we were abiding in darkness and then the transfer occurred, and thank God for that, and look forward Whatever the judgment day has for believers, it's nothing like for unbelievers, especially the ones that heard about Christ and didn't believe him. 
Eye has not seen, neither ear heard, all that the Lord has in store for those who love him. It should cause us to look back in gratefulness, look forward in hope and gratefulness, and be thankful in the present for all the promises of God, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this time to meditate on your word and draw out some entailments from it and even be encouraged by our public doctrinal statement, our confession of faith, how it rewords scripture um, in the form of doctrinal propositions. It helps us to put the Bible uh, together in meaningful fashion and to understand it better. Thank you for John 12, 47, 48. Thank you for your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace toward us. We're now coming to the supper and asking for your blessings upon it. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.